Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck. Too stuck. Too tall. Not stuck. Thompson, with me as always, Mr. Nathaniel B. Paul Thurston. That That is my given You're name. now V. Paul. Yeah. How are you? You're too tall and too stuck. Mm, that's right. Okay. All right. I got well, you. I've been getting a lot of flack from the live group. <laughs> Um, not so much from you know the regular podcast listeners, the people that download the show. Um, it's just the live group because mm-hmm. I don't get any hate mail from the other you know regular listeners. By the way, his email is charlie at goodmorningliberty dot us. Yeah, and I you know I've been getting a lot of flack for being late. I'm getting a lot of flack for being vaccinated. <laughs> I'm gonna even though I'm speaking out for everybody's right Doesn't not count. to be vaccinated. You're still a sheep. Um, yeah, somehow yeah. I'm still a sheep. I'm I'm a sheep for being late. <laughs> You know, because I guess sheep aren't on time. They're not on time either. They're always late. They they have to miss things and stuff like that. So you know, this is what happens when when you're when you have to do some things behind the scenes. Yeah, just you just have and, to start not telling everyone about all your the intricate details of your life. Yeah. You know, that's what you're going to have to do. We've got a fun show. I didn't want to name anybody today. specifically. No, you don't want to do that. But uh, mainly Costco from <laughs> Yeah. That's who it is. But I would never call That's them true. out about it. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the fun show, this is Good Morning Liberty. We talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want to. If you would like to watch live, give Charlie crap every day of the week when, when you want to. Then you can join by going to goodmorningliberty.locals.com and paying in as little as five bucks a month to join this group. And pay for lap dances for the big guy. You got to pay for all of that stuff, okay? So Those things cost money. Yeah, they're not free. Yeah. And they're more than the buck oh five. Mm-hmm. Okay, everyone knows that. So make I sure you- I tried throwing bitcoins once. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't work. Um, That was a bad business decision on, well, on well, that person's part. Well, this was back part. in like 2005. Oh, ah, okay. They didn't they see the like, long-term what? vision. What? Yeah. Very short-term oriented. Mm-hmm. Those- those uh dancers are i get it so um the we got some interesting topics today yes we're going to mention the jfk file so stick around for that kyle rittenhouse elon musk the vax mandate everything is in this right here and some anti-business legislation or anti-monopoly or whatever they want antitrust legislation coming out i had a freudian slip there which is anti-business legislation Mm -hmm. is what it actually is Charlie, this interesting thing happened. You know, the OSHA did the vaccine mandate. The Fifth Circuit Court said that um, that it was probably unconstitutional, that they needed to, to see. And now the White House is saying, hey, businesses, you should just go ahead and go on with the vaccine mandate, even though the court said that it's probably not constitutional. Really? Yeah, yeah. So go ahead and read that lengthy first story real really? quick for everyone yeah from cnbc white house tells businesses to proceed with vaccine mandate despite court ordered pause isn't this something that mm-hmm. they ask for all the time hey can you just pause real quick we let us examine this yeah well make sure it's you know i'm interested everything fits together appropriately i'm interested in what else the white house thinks businesses should proceed with even though courts are saying it's unconstitutional <laughs> right like what else is that the print is that the principle that they want to go by because we can have that conversation i don't know the white house on monday said businesses should move forward with president joe biden's vaccine and testing requirements for private businesses despite a federal appeals court ordering a temporary halt to the rules 
quote, people should not wait. White House Deputy Press Secretary. Can't, there's a a deputy press secretary? Yeah, I guess because Jen Psaki is MIA right now. She got the COVID like oh, 10 or so, so days ago just, and okay. she's, uh, you know, I don't know if she's still sick or hmm. just taking time off. What's going on? But I Jean, guess that's Karine Jean-Pierre. Jean-Pierre. I guess. Uh, yeah, okay. Jean-Pierre? Sure. Told reporters during a briefing they should continue to move forward and make sure they're getting their workplace vaccinated. So... Yeah. Yeah, courts be damned. We don't. We're not beholden to those courts. Yeah, I just you didn't w- get the orders from King Biden. I just want to know if this were a, if this were a different administration. Just think about different administrations. What if there was an order from that administration, and then a court said that it was probably unconstitutional, and then that administration said, "Go ahead and go, go on with it," even though the court said it's not right. Yeah, wouldn't that be portrayed as a dictatorship tyrannical administration that didn't care authoritarian thank you that's the right word Mm -hmm. it's interesting that's what happens when you have no principles a fascist dictator Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i'm not saying i'm not i'm not saying uh that i'm not i'm not pinpointing a specific president that they would have said that about no i'm just throwing it out there that is uh i would would say this (laughs) i wouldn't say that this president may or not have been impeached twice no no yeah for for just a hypothetical yes okay i got you if you could imagine if you could imagine such a president that would do such a thing would would that be called authoritarian i i they would never do that because they have these unifying principles that Mm -hmm. apparently it doesn't matter what the courts say that you should go ahead with whatever the administration says that you should do Mm -hmm. that's what the that's obviously what the principles are among all the different parties because when science you see science when mm -hmm. it's better than government yeah and one government agency is saying this science is better and the other one's saying well no then you just have to it's just the science well you got to trust the science the science the science has been brought down upon us from the heavens and you have to go with whatever the science says that there is i got you okay you remember back in the day when like the church like ruled the government Mm -hmm. now you have like science yeah ruling the government yeah government like the real elitists are actually the top scientists yeah those are the true elitists that's true when it comes to climate change it comes to COVID, all that stuff the the science is running things right now hey i'm not anti-science Okay, I think science has done great things for everyone. I don't think that we need to go away from science, but I do think that people still have rights regardless. All right, let's go on to the Kyle Rittenhouse thing. We talked a little bit about this in the pre-show yesterday, but the prosecution, from all I can tell, they're just trying to throw their case right now. They got a large bet against themselves. Yeah. They, they, I don't know if this is on DraftKings or not, but and what, it might be. Wouldn't that be cool if you could bet on the outcomes of social <laughs> situations? I think that would mess up someone's actually, Well, I guess you can, actually, because you can make bets in the stock market on the outcomes of social situations. Mm-hmm. Because if Kyle Rittenhouse is acquitted, you think there's going to be any protests anywhere in Kenosha or anywhere else? I feel like that might happen. There might be. Possibly. Although... What what we do know is that as soon as Biden took office, the police immediately stopped being racist. No one has been killed by a police officer since Biden took office. That's not a thing that happens at all. Even though there was no legislation passed, uh, there are no inequities in the justice system. 
anymore. That's not going on. So anyway, that maybe there won't be. But maybe we'll look at DGLY but also. Here's we'll the we'll thing. take a look at that. If you know a guy, you can bet on anything. Yeah, it's sure. Or a gal, maybe. Yeah, either way. Either way is fine. If you know a guy or know a gal, you can, you can bet on pretty much anything. So the prosecution this is from Reason, by the way. The prosecution called to the stand Gage, I'm going to say Gross Croots, maybe. I'm just going to call him GG. We'll call him Gage from now on. Gross Krauts. Gross Krauts. Amanda always here with the pronunciations. Who was shot by Rittenhouse but survived. This did not go as planned as Gross Krauts was very effectively cross-examined by Rittenhouse's attorney. If anything, it seems that Gage's answer would tend to support Rittenhouse's contention that he acted in self-defense. Indeed, while... Uh, well, most anyone can do is speculate. There are good reasons to think that trial might culminate in an acquittal. And that is what I think it should culminate in, is an acquittal. A verdict that could cause a mass meltdown within the mainstream media and among Democratic politicians who have already branded Rittenhouse as a domestic terrorist. This is, if he gets acquitted, this will be proof that we have a white supremacist country. Mm-hmm. This will be proof that... Uh, the justice system is set up to help right-wing domestic terrorists, whatever. Rittenhouse Kreutz, okay, Kreutz. That's a, I have I have been corrected. That's why I'm just going to say Gage from now on. Rittenhouse ventured into Kenosha. Now, here's the story, and this is where we could have a little conversation about whether or not this was right, because I think that would be fun. He went into Kenosha armed with a medical kit and an AR-15 that had been acquired for him by a friend since Rittenhouse was too young to buy it. Notice how well that law did. Just, oh, his friend went and got it. Okay, Mm -hmm. still got the gun. His stated purpose was to defend small businesses that were under threat of arson and uh, looting and losing their property. He was eventually surrounded by protesters during a series of encounters. Video footage of the encounter showed Rittenhouse trying to move away from them, but after a warning shot was fired by another man, Rittenhouse turned back and engaged Joseph Rosenbaum, a protester who tried to grab his gun. Rittenhouse shot him four times, killing him. Rittenhouse was then chased by protesters, tripped and fell, and was attacked by a man, um, Anthony Huber, who struck him with a skateboard. Rittenhouse shot and killed him as well. And as they say, don't bring skateboards to a gunfight. This is what they say. <laughs> Okay. You shouldn't bring skateboards to a gunfight. He then shot Gage, who was armed with a gun and moving towards him. All right. By so, the way, it's sad people die. Like, it is. I don't like it when people die. I wish yeah. I wish Rittenhouse wouldn't have had to defend himself. Gross, but. Gross Kreutz <laughs> may have inadvertently made the argument more plausible for the jury. When cross-examined, he confirmed that Rittenhouse did not shoot him until after he pointed his own handgun at Rittenhouse. Loaded handgun, by the yeah, way. That's so, important. So he testified that he had a gun and that it was not until after he pointed that gun at Kyle Rittenhouse that Kyle Rittenhouse shot him. That's a pretty easy one right there. Many in the media focused the case against Rittenhouse on the fact that he foolishly chose to inject himself into a chaotic situation where trouble was assured. He didn't belong there, and thus he bears responsibility for the deaths. It's perfectly fine to scrutinize Rittenhouse's rationale and to lay moral blame for what happened at his feet, but his self-defense claim has absolutely nothing to do with any of that. That is the case I would make also, that it doesn't matter what you think about what he went and did. Was it... Now, barring the underage firearm side of it, is it okay for someone to go and defend 
a business, let's just say it's their own business, because what will also be removed from is it wasn't his own business. But could you go and defend your own business, stand outside of it with a gun when there are these riots and looting going on? I think that you would be able to. Now, whether or not you can make the argument that you were putting yourself in a bad situation by going and doing that, that's not your fault. You're not the one that created the bad situation. So that still lies at the the blame at the feet of the people that were creating the bad situation, Mm -hmm. not at the person who went there into the bad situation. So I honestly see nothing wrong with what he did at all. I do believe that when you, uh, I understand that when he went there, it was, um, there was a high likelihood that something bad could happen. And maybe you could say that, well, if you think there's a high likelihood, you're going to end up having to use your gun to shoot someone, then you could choose to not do that. Uh, But I still think that private property is very important. And even though it wasn't specifically his business, um, if he was called there by a friend or through someone reaching out on social media that was asking for people to come protect it, uh, I still think that he was actually doing a good thing and that the people who didn't have guns and that were out there rioting and looting were the people that were in the wrong in this case. Yeah. And I would say, like, i I don't encourage gun owners to go look for trouble just for something to shoot, you know, but, but the fact, but exactly. If the fact that he was there doesn't matter whether or not he defended himself, you know, I would never encourage my son to go to Portland, Oregon to defend business owners. He doesn't know. And that's just because you don't want the bad thing to happen to him. It's not that like, you don't think it's, uh, principally justified or morally okay. It's just like statistically, if something bad is going to happen, I don't want that to happen to my kid, you know? So yeah. like maybe you stick away from it, let someone else's kid <laughs> go do that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm Selfishly. saying, I, well, I'm saying I actually discourage gun owners to do it mm. to begin with, unless you're, unless you are invited by a friend or somebody like that to help protect something. Um, or in this case, I mean, I don't know. I could see both sides. I could see both sides. I could see the side of it by, Eventually, enough people have to band together and stand up against the absolute crimes taking place against them. Um, so I, I can go both ways. I just think personally, just because you can handle a weapon and you're good with it and all of that doesn't mean you should go looking for it. That's all I'm saying. And what, I, what I'll concede on this point is that it's easy for me to sit here and say, well, he was doing the right thing. That's what we should do. I do feel all of that, but when this was going on in Nashville for a few days, I didn't go downtown with a gun and try to defend any businesses, Mm -mm. you know? So actually I see him as a lot braver person than I am. I think that's kind of why I appreciate what he was doing. I had a strong urge to go downtown in Nashville and defend some of the businesses whose windows were being broken out, but I didn't do it. So I, uh, I don't have... I, I don't have that kind of bravery, I guess, or the a sufficient amount of those principles to protect private property. So anyway, I'll just say that. It's easy for me to sit here and say that he should have done that or shouldn't have done it. I know that I had the option to go do that in Nashville, and I didn't do it for whatever reason it was. Maybe because I wasn't actually ready to shoot someone over them breaking windows in a, in a business. You know, I, I don't know. But I don't think that we should just sit and wait for the cops to do nothing I think that it, when this all boils down to uh, the looting, the rioting, a tyrannical state, authoritarianism, whatever it is, eventually we have to say that we're going to have to put ourselves in a bad situation. 
And for some people, there's going to be different lines on that when that when that bad situation is there. And in this case, maybe he had a, I don't know if it was his friend's business, a family friend's business. I thought I had heard that at some time. If it was if it was but, my business or if it was my business, a friend's business or a family like somebody I knew that that literally asked me to do it, 100 percent. Yeah, would be there. I, I just I feel like I have a little bit of disconnect only because I want to discourage people like, OK, <laughs> you get a new gun, right? You're a new gun owner. You get your carry permit. Some states you don't need them anymore. Thank you, Tennessee um, or whatever. You shouldn't go stroll the streets of Compton looking for crime, right? Yeah. You shouldn't just go up and down the streets like, oh, well, I got my carry permit. But in this permit. case, you're not strolling the streets. You're staying on private property that's being damaged by well, other I'm people. saying that's what I want to discourage though. Yeah. I want to discourage yeah. gun owners, responsible gun owners from trolling the streets of crime ridden areas to be the heroes. Mm-hmm. Right. But this is a unique situation, right? We had a bunch of riots. We had a lot of burning of buildings, a lot of violence that was breaking out. People were losing their lives and private property and all kinds of stuff. And so in that case, this is what, and I know somebody's like, pick a side. I'm on the fence. In that case, I think you have to analyze each situation as it as it comes. And I just want to make sure that I discourage those types of things while also analyzing this situation and be like, while I don't fully agree with him going to Kenosha, unless he was asked by a friend or family member or whatever, because doesn't he live in Michigan? No, he lives in Illinois. He or Illinois. Up, so he, and that it's right on the border. It's a town that's literally on the... It would be like me going into town in Smyrna to go okay, to so he Depot. Okay, so, so it's close by. It's... Yeah. So, you know, in this case, you know, whatever. I I don't disagree wholeheartedly um, with his... But all that aside, what I'm really getting at is what's at stake here? Did he defend himself or not? And he... All the evidence I've seen clearly just defended himself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It couldn't be more clear. And if he actually gets, I think this would go both ways. If he gets acquitted, then we could see riots. If he gets found guilty. I mean, we could see the boog word floating could, around again. Yeah. If he gets found guilty, you won't see riots. What you see are gatherings of white supremacist domestic terrorists yeah. that are trying to thwart democracy. Yeah. That is what you'll see. Yeah. Also known as... Uh, what is that David Thoreau quote? Quiet men gathering in desperation. <laughs> um, all right, let's uh, move on. Tell me, so Tesla, whoa, they really tunked today. They were down 10% last mm-hmm. time I looked. Down about 15% over the last couple days, uh, which is a really large amount of money. That's somewhere around the $200 billion figure of money that they have lost in market value over the last couple of days. CNBC says there's a reason for why Elon Musk is actually selling his stock. Mm. So that was my segue for for you. Yeah, we right go from there. defending yourself to, uh, you know, the richest man in the world. To the market. It's from CNBC, Elon Musk faces a $15 billion tax bill, which is likely the real reason he's selling stock. Tesla CEO Elon Musk faces a tax bill of more than $15 billion in the coming months on stock options, making a sale of his Tesla stock this year likely regardless of the Twitter vote. Musk asked his 62.7 million Twitter followers over the weekend whether he should sell 10% of his Tesla holdings. Much is made lately of unrealized gains being a means of tax avoidance, so I propose selling 10% of my Tesla stock. No matter the results of the poll, Musk would have likely started selling millions of shares this quarter, 
the reason a looming tax bill of more than $15 billion. Mm. Musk was awarded options in 2012 as part of a compensation plan, but because he doesn't take a salary or cash bonus, his wealth comes from stock awards and the gains in Tesla's share price. The 2012 award was for 22.8 million shares at a strike price of $6.24 per share. That has a... That's a good investment right so he's there. He's doing pretty well there. 22 million shares at 624 a share for Tesla. That's, that's pretty good. Tesla shares closed at uh, $1,200 on Friday, meaning his gain on the shares totals just under $28 billion. The company has also recently disclosed that Musk has taken out loans using his shares as collateral. And with the sales, Musk may want to repay some of those loans, uh, those loan obligations. The options expire in August of next year, yet in order to exercise them, Musk has to pay the income tax on the gain. Since the options are taxed, we'll see, this is all hypothetical still, though. Yeah, this is still, since the options you are made taxed, a good point on this earlier. Mm-hmm. Since the options are taxed as an employee benefit or com- uh, compensation, they will be taxed at a top. Ordinary income levels are 37% plus the 3.8% net investment tax. He will also have to pay the 13.3% top tax rate in California since the options were granted and mostly earned while he was a California tax resident. Because California now follows you everywhere. <laughs> they do. Combined, the state and federal tax will be 54.1%. That's where I'm drawing the line. 54%. If I get taxed over 50%, I'm out. Uh, so the total tax bill on his options at the current price would be $15 billion. Now, they're making the assumption that Musk may – there's a key line right here. Musk may want to repay some of those loan obligations. Mm-hmm. So it's only if he's actually going to repay the loan obligations. That's – which he could call any bank he wanted to right now and be like, hey, can you extend these terms? You know, I just, I'm trying to get to Mars. <laughs> and look, I'll borrow another $50 million I will I will mail a check from Mars, I promise just you. Just add in another $50 million onto my existing loan, you know, whatever. It, he could set whatever terms he wants, basically. Um, so it, if he wants to repay the loans, then yeah, he's going to have to sell some assets. And by doing that, then he would need to... Um, to cash out some stock, exercise his options, whatever. But they're coming up with this figure. The other thing is the exercising of the options doesn't yes. necessarily mean that you sell the stock. No. Yeah. So you can exercise the options, which means you buy all those shares, but mm-hmm. you don't have to sell all those shares at that oh my time. God, what if he's, what if he's piling in short sellers? <laughs> then he exercises his options, yeah. which is going to be, buying 22.8 million shares when he does that yeah yeah coupled with i don't know maybe it's another way to push the stock back up i know he's got i know he's got a plan but here's the thing once you exercise the options then you have to sell the shares Mm -hmm. like if you if you have an option that either force exercises or you choose to exercise it they just convert into shares because that's all the option represents it's a contract that represents a certain number of shares a hundred shares. That's the way they've done it. One contract equals a hundred shares of that particular stock. And so when you have, what is 22 million, then what is that? 220,000, um, 220,000 options contracts. That's a pretty good amount of contracts. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty good amount, but he would have to sell the shares then if he wanted to repay some of his loans, which then yes, he would need to owe the, the capital gains tax. Or, yeah. or the 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 net gain tax because it would be it would become um, unrealized to realized and that's when they actually get taxed and so 
they're, what they're trying to do here is they're trying to say, oh, well, his tweet wasn't that big a deal. Um, he's going to have to do this anyway, which he actually doesn't. Mm-hmm. The the other thing, so there's a couple of reasons why he would be doing this. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Well, why would he be doing this? One, I thought, so there is a potential for the tax bill because maybe he does actually want to take in some money sometime, like some actual money, so he doesn't have to keep getting loans from the banks. But it's a better deal for him to get loans from the banks because he might get a 4% interest charge instead of getting a 54% charge from the government. So it's a better deal to take the loans from the banks. Let the banks pay the taxes on their income <laughs> from, right. from doing that. Amen and uh, a woman. So... He might actually be wanting to rake in some money, potentially. There's also the other reason that I think that this is, uh, I think he's trying to prove a point here, which is that an unrealized, what we're seeing right now with a 15% decline in Tesla shares is what you will see when you have an unrealized capital gains tax. There will always be the selling pressure because of the government that is over the top of these stocks. Because if they're going to do an unrealized gains tax, then those people are going to have to sell shares to pay back that unrealized gain. And now people have been getting hosed that they bought Tesla last week. Then they're getting hosed right now. And that's because, uh, well, this is what it would look like if there were an unrealized gains tax. And I think that Mm -hmm. Musk would be willing to lose a massive portion of his wealth his on paper to prove the point that a unrealized gains tax is a really stupid idea. The other thing is imagine being that smart because it doesn't matter. Well, it's, it's uh 300 billion, it's 200 billion, you know, you know, it doesn't matter. It's so um, the other thing is if he is actually doing it to pay the taxes, there's an interesting economic conversation to be had here because Tesla has lost about $200 billion in value over the last couple days, simply so the government can get $15 billion from Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. Now that is 15, that is $200 billion worth of value for all of the people that were all invested in Tesla stock. All of those people have been decreased by about $200 billion spread among all of them. Not just that, but innovation. Mm -hmm. It's It's also weighing on the entire market too, because Tesla makes up a a decent little chunk of the S&P. Yeah, and it's it's $200 billion of productive value Mm -hmm. value taken out of productive uh, hands. But when I saw that, I was just like, isn't this a great example that uh, in order for the government to get $15 billion to set on fire, they are going to remove... Two, three, four hundred billion dollars from the overall market economy, so they can get that fifteen billion and waste almost all of it. That's what we see all the time. What's fifteen billion? Six hours? Eight hours? Uh, for the, they do about seventeen billion a day, so it's almost an entire almost day's whole worth day of money, worth of government. Yeah, nice. So that's what they're trying to do is make yeah. it one more day. All right, let's go to uh, a little bit more economic stuff, and then the JFK thing is right after that. Well, I, real quick though, I saw this video from um, Jordan Peterson that you know talks. I don't know if you guys seen him talk about billionaires, but he was making his case that we've talked about before. But I, I thought it was really interesting that. Um, you know, there's always going to be a few outliers, right? There's going to be wealthy people who are greedy. There's going to be wealthy people who, who, um, take advantage of people or sit around. He calls it, he says, sit around and smoke cigars and, uh, and drink and drink. Um, there are those, Is that kind where of, I got that from. Cause that's what I always say. Yeah. There are those kind of, those kinds of wealthy people out there. But what he talks about, he's like, those people don't last very long. He's like, but you need the incentive for, for geniuses like Musk or Gates or people who have devoted their whole lives to doing all kinds of crazy things to move the world in, in a better direction, maybe it's a good thing that they have billions of dollars that they can 
that they can use way more effectively. Mm-hmm. I mean, SpaceX is the most capitalism middle finger I've ever seen in my entire life. That's pretty good. You literally took an only government program, only was allowed to be done by the government because they were the only ones who, who could be smart enough to do any of this. And then a private company was born. And now I know there's other space companies too, but SpaceX is probably one of the best examples considering they took over a lot of la- a lot of the launching of the satellites. Why? Because they're the cheapest option and not and they reduced the cost by 90% in an age where everything is going up. Yeah. The cost of milk is going up, gas is going up. Somehow the cost of sending things to space decreased by 90%. 90%. Yeah. That's so, a- you know, you guys all know that. But. You do the math. All right. Okay. Amy Klobuchar and Tom Cotton got this anti-monopoly bill. And let me tell you who it exempts because they are targeting some specific companies, but they, uh, this is, it's very arbitrary and it's very obvious. Amy Klobuchar and Tom Cotton introduced the Platform Competition and Opportunity Act on Friday <laughs> or PCOA. <laughs> which would prevent big tech companies like Amazon, Facebook, and Google from acquiring rival firms unless they can prove to the government that the merger would not constitute one platform swallowing up a competitor. Just, just, just buy the other markets. All right. There are all sorts of, this is from reasons, so all sorts of principled reasons to oppose this sort of government meddling in the affairs of private businesses. Whatever the problems with social media can hardly be said that Facebook's acquisitions of Instagram and WhatsApp have hurt consumers or put the company in some sort of monopoly position. But there is one crooked provision in the PCOA that deserves special mention. Did they count the word act in the, in the uh, acronym? I feel like sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, we'll call it PCOA for right now. The law only applies to companies of a certain size. Firms that have a net annual sales of $600 billion in the prior calendar year with a market cap of greater than $600 billion. Facebook and Amazon, for instance, both have market caps well above $600 billion, so the law would apply to them. But note, however... The bill stipulates that it only covers firms that are over those limits at the date of enactment. In other words, if a company has a market cap under $600 billion the day they sign the law, then that company is permanently exempt from the law. They're not going to ever grow to the size where, which right there on its face tells you that they're not doing this for any economic reasons. Well, you can't be a monopoly if you're under $600 no, billion. No, not at all. Not possible. It's only those trillion-dollar companies. But already right there, if you're at $599 billion when they sign the law, and next year you're at a trillion, you're exempt from the law. What kind of sense does that make if you're trying to organize your economy? The two companies that are currently under $600 billion exempt from the bill are retailers Target and Walmart. Not you should call them monopolies, not retailers. Yeah, sorry, the two monopolies that are <laughs> the monopoly retailers, Target and Walmart. The reason is not calling them monopolies. Uh, the, these companies are both worth hundreds of billions of dollars, and their e-commerce platforms are growing at a faster rate than Amazon's. But under the Klobuchar Cotton Law, it wouldn't matter if Target and Walmart overtake Amazon; they would be immune from the new antitrust action, as long as they are small enough the day the bill is signed. Here's the interesting part: Target is headquartered in Minneapolis, where Amy Klobuchar is based out of. Walmart is based out of Arkansas, where Tom Cotton is based out of. And magically, they come up with a law 
that just barely exempts Target and Walmart forever. How did they reach that $600 billion valuation? Doesn't that sound a little arbitrary? Hmm. They reached it because they don't want to make the biggest businesses in their districts upset about it. It's ridiculous. It's It's blatant. It's obvious. It's obvious. It's obvious. Yeah. Yeah. It's... and, uh, you know, well, it's just more of the same, like we were talking about yesterday with Biden passing the, this bill that's going to benefit all the unions that paid for his campaign. It's uh, this is this is what government does, folks. And by the way, this is a Democrat and a Republican. Mm-hmm. So it's not like the Republican Party is here to save us. OK, they're just as crooked as anyone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I wonder why this isn't illegal to do. I don't know. And it, it's just, just, we just make this illegal. They wouldn't do that. That's true. You know, yeah. just make it illegal for politicians to write stupid laws. Yeah. About Who's going to write that law? About their home states. Yeah. How are you going to write that law? And the politicians have to write it. <laughs> yeah. So well, we're just going to encourage them with cookies. Yeah. So. All right. Tell me about this uh, JFK. Are you going to play the video? Assassin- assassination files. No, we're just doing our own thing. Oh, okay. So Biden postpones the release of the JFK assassination assassination files citing pandemic related delays. <laughs> so because of the coronavirus folks, they can't release this. Uh, when was it supposed to come out? I don't remember sometime soon. I think uh, president Biden has further postponed the release of secret government files related to the assassination of president John F. Kennedy citing delays caused by the coronavirus pandemic. Of course. Yeah. Because nothing, nothing says we can't release something that happened 70 years ago because of the coronavirus. Because Joe asked if JFK was vaccinated. That's an important question here. It's, because <laughs> if he was unvaccinated for COVID, then he died of COVID. who gives a shit? Uh, yeah. You know? Right. <laughs> well, it looks like we have a bullet hole to the head, uh, but also he has COVID. Looks so like COVID. Yeah. It's like we're going to put COVID on the death certificate. <laughs> The files had originally been scheduled to be released next week. I knew it was soon, so next week. Now they will be released in two batches, one later this year and another in late 2022. They need more time. Yeah, they it hasn't been time. long enough yet. According to the memo, the postponement came at the recommendation of the National Archivist, who said the pandemic has had a significant impact on the agencies responsible for reviewing each redaction in the documents. Now, reviewing why, each redaction. Now, why does it have to be redacted? What? <sighs> no? National security. Of course, probably. Yeah. You know? It's just, it reminds me when I was reading, um, when I was reading the Guantanamo Diaries, uh, and I was listening to it on an audio book, and so the redacted part was a different, it was a female voice. And so the author's reading, you know, uh, Muhammadu, blah, 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 redacted, redacted, <laughs> extended redaction redacted redacted that happened over and over and over again i'm like we live in a world the freedom of press and some dude isn't even allowed to tell his own story mm-hmm. like the government gets to redact your own story meaning you can't put words down on a piece of paper because it would make the government look bad i that's think the actual answer that's the actual reason yeah a core, let's see, temporary, this is, uh, by the way, this is hilariously worded, by the way. It's temporary continued postponement. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's only temporary, folks. Yeah. There's nothing as, it's just temporary continued. Great Temporarily vernacular. continued. There. 
It's necessary to protect against identifiable harm to the military defense, intelligence operations, law enforcement, or the conduct of foreign relations that is of such gravity that it outweighs the public interest and immediate disclosure, said the president. He just gets to decide that. And by the way, this is... But the assassination of American president somehow has identifiable harm to our own military defense. Immediate disclosure. It's 2021. All right. But there's going to be harm. There's a lot of risk with immediate disclosure. The dude was assassinated 80, <laughs> okay. 70 years ago. 60, uh, 58 years ago. 58. Yeah. Well, you know, it just takes a while to review these things. Nate. It does. It takes a long time. And then with the pandemic, can't expect something like that to come out. They haven't had any time. Biden said some of the documents were released on December 15th of this year, but not earlier out of respect for the anniversary of President Kennedy's assassination. It's very respectful of them. The dude's dead. We can't tell you why or how he was assassinated because we need to show respect for the day that he was assassinated. Yeah. It's a very respectful day. It is. I'm sure the whole dead Kennedy family appreciates that. You wouldn't that. want like some <laughs> justice on, day, on that day. Like, here's the day he was murdered. Let's tell everyone how it happened, which, by the way, they're not going to do anyway. Mm. If they're well, go ahead. Go ahead. We'll get into the further story. The remaining documents will undergo an intensive one year review and be released by December 15th, 2022. Under the 1992. Where they will also have to worry about showing respect to the anniversary of his assassination. (laughs) Under the 1992 John F. Kennedy Assassination Records Collection Act. All assassination records should have been publicly disclosed within 25 years or by October 2017, but postponements were allowed in instances that national security concerns outweighed the public interest in disclosure. Now, this is that you could just keep doing this, mm-hmm. by the way. Like, oh, national security. Well, what kind of national security? I can't tell you. It's national security. Here's the... Well, well what... But what is keeping national security? Yeah. And we're going to have to redact your question, actually. (laughs) It's too dangerous of a question. Exactly. Um, Here's a question for you. Now, listen, I've never been a uh, JFK conspiracy theorist. I have no opinions on whether or not uh, the actual story is is true. I have I have no opinions on the matter. Uh, I have I've done no I have done no digging on my own to see who this is. So if you're looking for a juicy conspiracy theory about the CIA or the Federal Reserve or something like that, I, I ain't got it for you right now. My main question would be if it were if the documents were going to align with the official story that the American public has been told over this amount of time, do you think they'd be holding off on releasing things? No. No, that's an easy question to answer right there. If it were just like, oh, here's all the paperwork that shows that what you've been told this entire time is true. They would have released it 20 years ago. I mean, the government has nothing to hide. They have nothing to fear. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Sure. Why why would they be so fearful of releasing this? Exactly. (laughs) But that principle goes for the government because the government should have full transparency. No, they should. They so, should. I thought I was using it against. Them. I know. That's I what know. I was doing. Um, uh, and what, what if? What if we get the paper on December fifteenth and the, literally it's all redacted, but like one word. <laughs> yeah, it's just, assassinated. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> the date. That's it. The date and time and location. Yep. Um, the so 
here's why they're actually not wanting to release it. There's going to be something in here that is not part of the official story. Is it going to be this massive revelation that changes everyone's view of the history? No, probably not. Like you're relying on them to not fudge the documents that they're going to be releasing in a month or in a year from now. I don't trust them to do that. Whatever they put out there is probably still a lie. Whatever it is, it's still going to be a lie. And so the the actual root cause of the problem right now, why would they want to hide this? Because we just said if it were the official story, then they would be totally fine with releasing everything. So why do they not want to do it? Is it for national security? No, that's a BS response. To me, the actual answer to that question is because the most dangerous thing for someone to, to realize is that, for the government anyway, what they see as the most dangerous thing for people to realize is that they can't trust their government. Because if you realize that your government might be lying to you all the time for maybe malicious purposes, even so far as assassinating someone who was the democratically elected president, then maybe they wouldn't be able to lie to you about other things. They wouldn't be able to get you to trust them on all sorts of other issues. And so I was going to tell you this uh, story about how I actually uh, moved to my libertarian line of thought. And this first thing I'm going to say is going to make me potentially look bad and could be used later against me. It's not something that we would normally talk about. I Before you get into this, though. Yeah. Cliffhanger for everybody. Cliffhanger. Right Everyone's like, cliffhanger. oh my God, what's he going to do? I just wanted to say that that's essentially what's happened with the whole coronavirus pandemic is it was very easy for <laughs> it was very easy for the public to tell that the government was lying and and so that's why you have all of this um well that's why you have what's going on now because it's it's way easier than ever to tell that your government's lying to you and there's a bunch of resistance against that and, and i think it's i think it's completely valid what you see is that people who don't trust the government are less likely to think that the government should have power over every single part of your life, mm -hmm. you know? And, and so anyway, I was saying that I, let's see, what were we talking about? The JFK thing? I don't, I don't know. No. Um, you're about to out yourself. Yeah. No, I mean, we talked about some of the, it's, it's actually, we built it way too. We've built this up way too much. Now the thing that I'm about to talk about are you has been built up way too much are you a deeply closeted gay man <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> oh uh, no so the way that i actually came to this line of thinking was actually when it came to 9 11 i'm gonna go down the conspiracy theory the rabbit hole now i am oh, yeah you should totally cut the live feed to make it seem like <laughs> i would technically be a, re a reformed 9-11 conspiracy theorist that means that at one point in time i thought that it was completely an inside job i thought that there were people inside the oval office working controls <laughs> that's like what i thought there's a man What's behind the curtain that there was a man behind the curtain that the whole thing was completely planned now I've moved away from that because I realized that that would bestow an amount of competence onto the government that they probably do not have. And so I, I don't believe that, not because they've proven to me that I can trust them or that they wouldn't do anything that crazy, but actually that would require a whole lot of really great work from the government as far as achieving a goal that they had and uh, highly coordinated efforts from something that's really bad at highly coordinated efforts. And so anyway, that's how... so. The reason that started me down this journey is not have, have anything to do with 9-11. It was an idea 
that was in my mind after that. And the idea was you can't trust your government, that they would lie to you to, to have power over you and that they would lie to you to make money for certain people or to destroy the lives of other people or to keep winning elections, that they would lie to you on, on something as massive as what this was, that they would lie to you. It was the, the idea, this actually goes to like uh, the, an Inception idea, and the whole thing Inception, they're trying to put this little idea, he'd accidentally put this idea in his wife's mm-hmm. head, accidentally, that basically her reality was not, was not real, that, that, that whatever it was, that it, that it wasn't real, and couldn't get that idea out he of it. He took gaslighting to a whole other level. <laughs> Inception's about gaslighting. That's, that's actually what it is. But no, it was the Inception idea that I couldn't, that the reality I thought we had, which was the government was this noble body of people that were trying to do good around the world, that the taxation was a necessary evil and was necessary for a polite society or whatever the, the, the price we paid for a civil society and all that. Um, it completely destroyed that idea when I, when I realized that I couldn't trust the government. Now, after that, I realized that I also didn't know anything about 9-11 that I couldn't make this wild conspiracy theory because I had no proof either way. So I moved away from that. Now, do we think it's the 100% the story that everyone has been told? Are there things behind the curtain that would make the government look bad in some way, shape, or form? Probably. I don't know what it is. Okay. It's possible we knew it was going to happen. We did nothing to stop it. Yeah, I could go down that. I could go down that road. And look, I... You have to give the government a little bit of credit. I mean, they were they were stealing our information for years before, you know, Snowden came out. Yeah, they were able to hush all the other uh, uh, whistleblowers, and that takes a lot of coordination too. By the way, I mean, you have hundreds of thousands of people working at the CIA and NSA and all that stuff, so they're pretty good about keeping those kinds of secrets. Um, I, I, I'm with you. I think I think even deep something a little bit uh, maybe easier for people besides believing in conspiracy theories is the fact that you're not even allowed to question whether mm-hmm. or not something is true. Because if you, if you question it at all and see, this is like, you guys need to pay attention to this stuff. Um, this goes for all kinds of things. If you're not allowed to question something uh, and you're all of a sudden, because you have a question, you, you are labeled as a conspiracy theorist or a right winger or a demon rat, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle it's on. Um, that's when you know it's very dangerous, and and you should be allowed to be a fool if you want to be. You know that's how you learn, right? Yeah, is by being a fool. And so uh, that the fact that you weren't allowed to question the nine eleven or anybody that did was labeled some kind of kook, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the real danger because that's how that's the only way to learn. Well, there's a difference also in questioning it and saying I know that this is what did or didn't happen. Because look, at one time the scientific consensus was was the Earth was actually flat. <laughs> that was a scientific consensus in 1491. Mm-hmm. All right, so that was the consensus. Most scientists at that time, they all 97 percent of them at least. <laughs> believed that the earth was flat four out of five scientists believe and the people that questioned that was like well maybe you know there's I, I think they 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 discovered it before that but or at least some 
you know, people who were into astronomy discovered before that, but at least people were allowed. We have to thank the people who are allowed to question the consensus to discover new things. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's how you learn, right? You can question was nine 11 real was JFK actually assassinated, you know, all these different types of things. That's how you actually get to the truth is by questioning and freedom of speech and the dialogue. That is why these things are so important. That's why freedom of speech is so important. And so my final consensus on the JFK assassination files, one, I have no idea what actually happened Two, the government doesn't want to release this because it might put some distrust in the people regarding their government. And that is actually the most dangerous thing for people who are in power is to think that they're not actually doing this for good and virtuous reasons, that they could create this massive lie and propagate it for decades. And for them, for the people to find out that anything was different, maybe the government knew about it, you know, not saying that they did it. Maybe they heard rumblings and they let it. I don't know. I have no idea what, a, what the case actually is. But whatever it is, it's dangerous for the government, for the people to figure this out. And I just wanted to tell you the, the root cause of why I went. Now, when I moved away from the 9-11 thing, I still stuck with, okay, the government's lying. That means what that really created was this idea that I should question everything, that I should always question everything. So you have your general consensus on economics. You got your general consensus on the idea of taxation your consensus on whether or not it's a good idea for us to go to war in the Middle East or wherever it is around the globe. And the most important thing is that you would question that. And when I started questioning that, I found really great example. I found really good books from people like Thomas Sowell or whoever it might be uh, that actually showed me that the general consensus on things, the thing that most people believe might not actually be true. And that's something that people don't do enough, which is questioning what their beliefs are. I have, when it comes to our Vax mandate conversation, I have legitimately questioned my beliefs on this. I don't mean that I tried to steel man everything. I mean, I have literally uh, put myself on that side and actually felt that the way that some libertarians and people do and Republicans do about this that I actually felt that way. And then I had, then I considered all of the options and everything. And I ended up working my way back out of it, but I legitimately went down the road. And I think that's one of the most important things that people need to do that they don't do is they don't allow themselves to truthfully entertain the ideas that other people have. I've legitimately questioned whether or not something like socialism or whatever it was, was the best way to organize our society maybe we'll just never be able to get out of this and equality is wrong and or whatever this is inequality is wrong and all these different ideas and i legitimately went down those roads of well we're never going to actually get freedom or libertarianism or free markets or whatever so why don't we just find the best way to to interact in this actual socialist hellhole that we have right here. And then I, as I continued to question that ideology, I worked myself back out of it. Um, I'm working through things on the uh, vaccines right now. I have a so interesting conversation here. Normally around Thanksgiving and Christmas, my grandma, who is 93 years old, um, I go and pick her up from her house and bring her up to my mom's and then we do Christmas and Thanksgiving. And I had the 
legitimate feeling yesterday that came upon me like the like a massive rush then maybe it was like a the bat- Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit spoke activate. down upon me. Holy Spirit. The Holy activate. Vaccinated Spirit spoke down upon me and said, you know what? Maybe it's not a good idea for you to be in a car with your 93-year-old grandma for a 45-minute trip up to your mom's house. You know, I mean, she's vaccinated, but uh, whatever, I'm not. And what if I am carrying something? I don't know. And so then I worked through all of that. I was like, I had these irrational feelings of fear that I was going to be putting someone in danger. And then I remembered all of my personal science, <laughs> my, <laughs> my truth. I remembered all of that, that, well, I've already, I've already had the illness. Uh, she is vaccinated and I could take a test beforehand if I was really worried about it to see if I was carrying anything around, which I might do. There's a, and, and so I worked myself back out of that fear through questioning everything consistently. So anyway, I think that's what people need to do. Question everything. Seek the truth. Always. That's right. And don't just stop on one thing. Even once you get and somewhere me, that you think is the truth, and then work against that and try to prove yourself wrong. Always. Let me tell you a cool thing about the truth. This is really cool. I'm going to ask you this question, Nate. You might know this. Do you want to know what the best performing stock has been? One of the best performing stocks over the last 10 years? 10 years. Mm, you're talking large caps, right? Not like, yep. not like a small cap stock? Yep. Very surprising. Mm, Microsoft. Nope. Uh, what up, would up, that be? Uh, it's up over 6,000% since the new CEO took over in, in 2009. 2009. Google? Nope. No, they're not at New that much. CEO. New CEO. Yeah, I have no idea. Apple? Nope. Uh, I don't know. Domino's. What? Domino's. <sighs> Domino's is sitting right now at... Their pizza ain't that good. $500 a share. Mm. In 2009, when the new CEO took over, it was $7 a share. And that's no splits or anything. That's a nope. legit ride. Just legit ride. Mm. And they sustained that. That's not just like a... Yeah. That's not just a stonk rally. No, it's actually you should been look a sustained rise. Like literally been steadily growing yeah. since uh, probably like, yeah, 2012, 2013. It was about 50 bucks a share in 2016, 100, 2019, 250. Are you giving professional stock advice right now? Telling people no. to get in Domino's? No, it's high was in July of 525. Today closed 498.54. So it's up 3,500% all time, but that's because the stock opened at $13. So it's up over 6,000% since 2009 because the stock was at about seven bucks when this new CEO took over. Now, this is, this is a really cool story because it's about the truth and it's about trust. When the new CEO, Domino's was trash. I still don't like, I still don't prefer it to other pizzas, but I, I had so many bad experiences with them that I, Refused to even give any, yes. but maybe I should. I don't know. Domino's stock price is good. Was a dumpster fire. Now, when the new CEO took over, he had a couple options. Right, he could silence all the haters. He could spend more money on advertising. He could hire a group of people to combat online reviewers, being like, "Oh, well, that's not right." Whatever. No, no, no. That's not what he did. What he did is he actually took pictures from customers of people opening their pizza with all the cheese stuck to the top. He literally took all the chefs. Um, they, he got rid of all the frozen dough and all the canned stuff. They all had, they now have fresh ingredients. They make their doughs at their store locations. He literally 
created a uh, committee of actual customers and took all their complaints in. What's the worst thing that we did? All of this stuff. What he did is he used the truth in his favor. He, huh. he came out and said, we are a shitty company. <laughs> we do things terribly. The pizza tastes like crap. The service is awful. Every single one of our customers is right. He used the truth and he, he found a way to win. And what did he do? He built, he built back the trust. He built back better? He built back better trust. <laughs> and they also yeah. started fixing potholes. And he your made people trust Domino's again again. <laughs> that's what he did he made dominoes great again this again. is what's great about the truth and finding the truth is because truth is what builds trust and so there's a cool i think success story for now do you think this guy has owed millions of dollars for being ceo i think so yeah either you don't have a company because dominoes is about to go bankrupt or you now you have a very wildly successful one of the most successful pizza shops that literally dominates all kinds of uh, their competitors now i still don't I still prefer, like, if I'm going to go with trashy pizza, I prefer, like, I still prefer Pizza Hut. I over, like I like some of their, over their sauce and their crust options. Um, good. But we had Domino's the other night. That's what the lady wanted, and it was good. And notice that this is also not an incentive that is in place for people in the government, but this was an incentive that was in place for people in the free market. That they had an incentive to get down to the truth of why people didn't like their product. They didn't propagandize people. They didn't force them to buy their pizza. They didn't force them to give them money. They said, what is wrong with our company? Why is our pizza so terrible? Let's fix it. And that's what they did. And that's the only incentive that, it, that exists inside of the free market. Amen. So anyway, I, I think that was a pretty good episode. That is, man. All right. If you all enjoyed today's show, then please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Hit that follow or subscribe button, the little plus sign on your Apple Podcasts, because that's where most people listen, okay? I'm not saying that's my favorite. I'm just saying that's where most people listen. And uh, if you're not subscribed, then I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Because this is one of, this is the fastest growing libertarian show out there. So you want to be part of that growth. Uh, Lee, and then. It is if you say it share is. That's the, all that matters. Exactly. Share the show with a friend, a family, a colleague and the children. If you guys do all those things, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. Liberty.